Hello and welcome to Asian Conversations with Scott and Ari. Today we're going to um, discuss a recent Matchroom signing. So as some of you will know, Matchroom have recently signed Chinese heavyweight Zhang Zilai. What can you tell me about him, Scott? Zhang Zilai is an unbeaten 37-year-old Chinese heavyweight. He spots a 21-hour record with 16 knockouts. Before turning professional, he was a very good amateur. He'd won, um, I think it was an Olympic silver medal at the Beijing Olympics. He then fought Anthony Joshua at the London Olympics. He's talented. He's a surprisingly quick uh, southpaw. He's a big guy. But again, he is 37. Yeah, and how much of an impact will his age have in the division? Well, we do see heavyweights continue on a bit longer. Um, Alexander Povetkin's 41, he's still having success. Uh, Luis Ortiz is in his 40s, but the reality is that he's coming to the end of his career. He is, again, fast-handed as a southpaw, so speed is one of the first things that go. He Mm. isn't going to get a big fight until he's 38. He does turn 38 next May. And given how the division is, with the top guys all busy lined up with mandatories and other big fights, he's going to be frozen out of the title picture until at least, at the very earliest, the middle of next year, mm. if not potentially the end of 2021. Yeah, and I was just going to ask, how does he fit into the heavyweight division? In terms of talent, he's a surprisingly good fighter, but he's sort of on the outside looking in. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Alexander Povetkin, and Dillian White are pretty much on the WBC title picture. Anthony Joshua, who holds the other three titles, is, or rather he's going to be, in a bit of a mandatory merry-go-round with um, Kubrat Pulev, Alexander Usyk, and then potentially a WBA um, world title mandatory uh, probably the year after next. So by the time um that the lie gets his shot it's yeah he's looking a long long way down the line so he fits in in the fringe contender type of realm he's not got a big name but with matchroom behind him he's got the doors open for some big fights yeah and obviously we said about him kind of possibly kind of kind of next year when he gets his fight due to kind of mandatories and stuff but that's all if everything goes okay and kind of fights can continue to kind of take place yeah so his next fight is scheduled to take place in november Mm -hmm. but then what happens after that can we get a big heavyweight fights with no crowds um are we going to see fights cancelled in the UK, for example, with the rising coronavirus. Mm. One thing that's really interesting is we have seen fans resume uh, return to mm. ringside in China, so we have seen fights in China having a crowd. We haven't seen that in the UK yet, so perhaps that's an avenue that Matri may be looking at. Yeah. And how much of a star is he in China? Would he bring in those kind of crowds? Contrary to the belief that Eddie Hearn uh, seems to have, mm. no. No, he wouldn't. Eddie Hearn spoke in 2018 of having Zhang Zilai versus Anthony Joshua at the Bird's Nest in Beijing and seemed to be talking as if they're going to sell out this massive stadium. Um, Zilai's last fight was for the Shanghai Social Work College Gymnasium against Don Hainsworth. And the venue had rows and rows and rows of empty seats. It was at best half full. 
Um, I'm fair enough. Don Hainsworth isn't Anthony Joshua. He isn't a top name. Mm. But that was Eli's first fight there since 2017. It's one of his very, very few fights at home. He spent most of his career in the US. He's only fought in China four or five times. So the reality is that he's not a star in China. He's not a star in the US. He's not a star in Europe. He's, yeah, he's just a guy, I guess you can say. His nationality might be Chinese, but he's not got one and a half billion fans behind him. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, the the kind of uh, potential fan base you could have for kind of people in China, for boxers in China, could could be quite phenomenal. It could be, but no one's really managed to crack it yet. We've seen fighters try, we've seen some fights have success. Mm-hmm. Um, Zing Zhaozong and Kanzu have both had success. Kanzu particularly has had massive success in recent years. Zhu mm-hmm. Shiming had success, but it wasn't mm-hmm. a level that they're expecting. The reality is that Zhang isn't on their level. He's not even close to their level in terms of name recognition. He's fought so many times outside of China that that sort of backs up the argument that even the people who've handled him so far know he's not a big name in China. Yeah, and I guess that's that that it could alien it could alienate um kind of Chinese fans that maybe see him as more of an American rather than kind of you know, so it possibly give that kind of um, difficulty in kind of home home talent, I guess. It does give a little bit of a difficulty in building a fan base at home. It, there's mm. no local fan base for them. Mm. Um, but even then, they do get behind their fighters. We don't mm. see it a lot. We don't see a lot of Chinese fighters really making a name. But where they do, they do get behind them. Yeah. Kanzu is a big example of that. But... They need success, and Zalai against any of the top heavyweights, he's not going to have success. He's going to get beaten before he gets a big belt if they go that route with him. So I'm not really sure what the idea of the signing is. And I guess, yeah, it'd be different if if kind of they knew, you know, obviously it it sounds like the Chinese really do get behind their fighters, but if he's not really got a fan base there, then it just seems like it's, an avenue that's maybe not as open as it could have been um yeah yeah, it certainly isn't an avenue that perhaps is going to draw the big money Mm. and then we also have to consider that china don't have working pay-per-view they don't have expensive tickets whilst Mm. the burden is a huge stadium Mm. you're not going to charge thousands of dollars or thousands of pounds for front row seats it's not like having a bout here in the UK and Wembley, for example, where you're going to get loads of tickets, loads of tickets at a high price, you're going to struggle to get the same prices over there. And if the bout did take place over in China between Joshua and Zhang, and I think anyone knows it won't be right now, the time difference would devalue the British pay-per-views as well. So it's just impossible Mm. to see how that bout's ever going to make sense. Yeah, and if it is over over in China, I mean, the, the kind of difficulty getting kind of uh, British fans over to China, you know, it would be very a very expensive kind of journey to take for, for fans. It would, even in two or three years' time. It's not going to be a journey I suspect many are going to want to take. <laughs> you also then potentially have more China versus US trade deal issues and... Mm. It's bizarre that he's made that signing. The only thing I can think of for him to have signed him 
is to use them as a launch pad for somebody else. All right. So, so sorry. sorry. Go on. No, you can't. no, I was I was going to say so somebody that he is else has got he's got his eye on somebody else around there or and more like instead of getting him in with Joshua get him in with Philippe Hergovic or um okay. Damian White if White loses to Povetkin again or even get him in with Povetkin mm. uh, um yeah any of the other heavyweights he's got who perhaps need a decent win as uh, so like his world ranks is just not very appealing as a as an away as a home fight he's not very much it's not much of a draw, but he does have those rankings, and for the right price, I think Hearn will be able to match him with somebody who can beat him and get those rankings and move themselves towards a world title fight. Yeah, and I mean it. You, it could be kind of a, a case he could market him as, you know, moderately well over kind of with somebody, maybe not kind of Joshua and and, and things like that, but there could be other people he can match with that could bring in a decent kind of revenue. Yeah, yeah. Get this one as a sort of chief support belt for a Joshua belt and have the winner then building towards mm-hmm. a Joshua thing. Um if you put him in with someone like Hergovic or Joshua uh, Joseph Parker, um even one of the other um even one of the other matching fighters who are, you know, wanting to make a name in the next year or two. Yeah, that makes sense. A Huey Fury, for example. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just don't see Zangzalai having the youth needed to wear out all these mandatories and all these other um, contractual obligation fights. Yeah, it does sound like age would be quite a big barrier, I, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, even in the heavyweight division, fighters do age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's even older than you are. Hey, cut that out. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so I guess um, there's not really that many kind of Asian or Chinese heavyweights, is there really, that that you could kind of have a, a kind of Asian versus Asian heavyweight? There isn't many Chinese heavyweights, I'll give you that. There's only really one or two of any note at all. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was a giant who's gone as far as I'm aware into professional wrestling. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, he's like seven foot tall and um Oh wow. <laughs> he couldn't box, but I'm not sure he can wrestle either. He's a bit like a bit like a um a very tall, inflexible thing called Tefan <laughs> Dong. He's a very big dong, I'm sure that's it. <laughs> People can make their own joke. There is also Zhang Junlong, the Dragon King, and no one seems to know whether or not he's really existing. Um, his career is assumed to be a bit of a fraud with a lot of his bouts said to be fixes mm-hmm. and exhibitions, and no one knows for sure. Him that... versus... I'm sorry. Go, no, you go. No, I was just going to say that's a hell of a story, that one, isn't it? That's an article in itself. It's yeah, it's a bizarre tale. He's always claimed that his fights were legitimate, and his opponents claimed they took dives, and the WBA claimed all his fights were frauds. And <laughs> him versus Zangzalai would have been interesting. Yeah. At the moment, there's only really one of the Chinese heavyweight that I think. I think anyone really needs to know about that's Young Long Shi, a Chinese novice who's based in China. Uh, Sorry, he's best in Poland. He's won. Uh, he looked really good on debut. 
um, outside of China, there's plenty of Asian fighters they could they could look at. Mm. You've got guys like Bakodia Jalalov from Uzbekistan, even Ditchko and Zan Kotobutsky from Kazakhstan, Mohammed Magoded Majidov or Mohammed Dasrul Majidov is box record listed him as is an Aziri who is probably the most powerful puncher in the division. Mm. He's just very slow and he himself is 33. Mm. If if they want an all Asian bout, um Kaiotaro Fujimoto would perhaps be a be an interesting one. China versus Japan, two big boys. Again, both are old men. Neither are particularly great. Both are 21 wins. That'd be an interesting one, but not one that I think anybody in the West would pay for. Not one that would be a massive draw. It'd just be an interesting one from a personal point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's possibilities, but I guess it's, it's whether these are hypothetical or whether these, these kind, of, um, kind of matches could go ahead. Because obviously, as we said, it's... It's quite a kind of busy heavyweight division at the moment with, with fights lined up already. Yeah, it's a busy heavyweight division at the top, but a little bit lower down. These lower level fights, um, mm-hmm. there's certainly guys that are available. As far as I know where Ivan Ditchko is looking to sign with Matchroom, um, as per report in Vesti.kz. So mm-hmm. he would certainly make a really, really interesting opponent. I mm-hmm. believe Zhang. Ditchko fought in the amateurs as well. Um, so yeah, that's if you're Eddie Hearn and you are looking at Zhang Zalai as your new signing, you then chase Ditchko's signature and get them to fight in a year's time. Yeah. No, that does sound that sounds a really kind of good, well matched kind of bout that could take place. And it helps that they're both huge guys. They're both like six foot six, six foot seven. <laughs> Make you look even more like a midget. <laughs> But yeah, yes, yeah, so you'd have that spectacle of, of of really kind of big, big guys kind of fighting. Yeah, yeah, big guys who can both punch. They've both um, shown suspect chins. So yeah, that'd be a fun one. Yeah. I think that's a lot more makeable than a Joshua fight or a Fury fight or a Wilder fight or a Povetkin fight or a White fight. Or, mm. Yeah, this goes on of guys who are just going to be unavailable for the next year and a half. Yeah, and it could be something they can put off, put on, you know, quicker than they all these other guys that are kind of tied up with all their mandatories and things. And much cheaper. And cheaper. <laughs> it's all about but, profit. At the moment, we can't get fans into venues in the UK. We yeah. can't get fans into venues in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, the reality is, Zhang's last fight was half empty in China. You aren't going to get fans over there. So, yeah, it probably makes more sense to look at cheap fights, to look at ones that don't involve the big names. He's not going to sell to a British audience. They don't have pay-per-view in China to a level that would fund the bout. Get mm-hmm. him in with a cheap opponent and see where they go from there. Yeah, because, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine any of these big fighters will fight without a, a decent crowd, really. Because I, I think that, that brings in the a lot of the profit. If they're going to fight without a decent crowd, and it's a big if, it's going to be on pay-per-view. And mm. then the question is, what do you add to the pay-per-view? What does Zhang Zalai add to a mm. pay-per-view? Uh, cost, no profit. Yeah, yeah. So it's not something you, you would naturally put on 
as you said, he's he's not a fan favourite. Uh, if you go on the Twitter announcement of him signing with Matchroom, a lot of the responses are, who, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, so, yeah. He, yeah. And you'd reckon those people commenting are probably boxing fans or in the know about boxing, and they just seem a bit very lukewarm about it. You suspect they are not just boxing fans, but Matchroom fans. Mm, if they're Matchroom yeah. fans, they know about Joshua. If they know about Joshua, you'd imagine they know who he beat in the 2012 Olympics, including mm-hmm. Zan. Yeah, yeah. So they know who he is, but they're just not bothered. I don't think they know who he is. I think they're more the, more the fans who perhaps follow the sport loosely but won't put the money into the pockets unless they know both guys very well. I don't think they know Zang for anything more than, oh, Joshua beat him at the Olympics. There's mm-hmm. no real value in their mind with him. Yeah. Which I can kind of understand. I think um, if you're paying out kind of pay-per-view money, you you want people you know, possibly like, or, you know, that you know are going to put on a fight that you want to see. So I guess, yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, you also want undercard fighters that you want to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But too many years, and this is goes into a whole different thing, boxing promoters have sold as the main event, and that is why you are paying. Mm. Um Next weekend, not this weekend, Showtime are putting on a double-header pay-per-view with, I think, five world title bouts, and they're selling that at the same price that a usual pay-per-view costs. The reality is that pay-per-views going forward now need to be stacked, otherwise people are going to go, where I've lost my job, where I've lost 20% of mm-hmm. my pay, where I've lost the security blanket, why am I paying mm-hmm. for pay-per-view for one bout? Yeah, yeah, I think it's got to be really special, particularly as all over the world, you know, if there's financial issues related to kind of the coronavirus, I, I think you'd have to put on something spectacular for people. And it's not cheap. No, £20 isn't. It might be sold as, oh, it's a night at the cinema. Great, we can't get to the cinema. Oh, it's yeah. a night of a takeaway. Yeah, fantastic. I can enjoy a takeaway. Mm. Oh, it's this. Yeah, great. You're, it's twice the price of Netflix. It's Netflix plus Amazon Prime. It's Netflix plus Spotify. Yeah, you're not making it an, an event to, to kind of wanting to be involved in. Yeah, especially when there's no fans. That It yeah. might seem silly, but no fans does take a bit of the horror away anyway. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, if it's in Eddie Hens' backyard with no fans, or even 10, 20% fans, it loses a lot of the horror. Um, and it doesn't really help anything at all in terms of optics and sound and atmosphere. and It yeah. loses yeah and I, I know there's, there's kind of sports around the world that have kind of had to battle this kind of um kind of issue around kind of fan noise fan atmosphere you know that that what the fans bring you know to to events yeah i still think the best we've seen is i think we mentioned this last time the out used as yeah. fan in japan where there's about about mm. 30% of the audience, about 6% were cardboard cutouts. Mm. And because the Corican Hall is quite a, an intimate venue, it's quite a small venue, they're very close, it was still actually a good atmosphere with only 30%. Mm. But if you try holding a big venue with 10, 20% in the UK, mm. the bigger the venue, the, the more the science will be deafening. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think you'd start to kind of, yeah, I think it will become very 
quiet sterile even and and a lot of these venues are are designed for loud noises so the quietness will just kind of echo around yeah yeah you try and get i mean like the men or wembley arena and you have it half full if that it's gonna sound bad it's mm-hmm. gonna look bad even if they turn off all the lights and make it mm-hmm. dress it up you still gotta spread the crowd out so you can't really have half the venue shut down plus only quarter the venue then it's yeah. not going to be great and even yeah. when you've got fans in they've they're three or four seats away from the next set of fans because of social distancing particularly in the uk that's kind of what they're designing um kind of venues to be like and that's considering that they may have fans back and given yeah. the current rate of infections in the uk that's looking unlikely Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Hearn was speaking about trying to get fans in for their October show. Mm. I think it's in the Northeast. I... Money has to stop, grief has to stop coming above other things. But Northeast, I believe, now has gone into local lockdown in the UK. Yeah, it has, yes. And there's, there's very tight restrictions on um, kind of socialising outside of kind of households, I believe. Similar to the Northwest, like we're, but we're not as kind of tight curfew as well in the northeast yeah it's curfew similar to what's kind of uh in bolton so that's essentially ruled out that fight yeah. having fans eddie home may have wanted to talk to the government about it but you can't look into the future and go oh yes we're going to allow fans into this venue this fight to watch this guy mm. no and mm. i think i think that's an extremely dangerous thing to be considering in the uk at the moment because just the, the the high infection rate, the restrictions that the government have imposed about socialising um, indoors with others, you know, it's it just it. I I'd be so surprised if if the government even considered talking to him about it. To be honest, especially given the premise they can't get um, a phone call from the guy in Wales. But <laughs> back to Zangzilai, you yes. can get crowd in China. Yes, I Maybe was just going to ask. Yeah, I was just, I was going to say, like, what is it, what's, obviously, you mentioned that there's crowds in China, what about China and other Asian countries, what's kind of going on in regards to crowds there? For China, we have seen pretty much four venues, they've not been big venues, they've not been huge shows, but for boxing, we've seen small venues mm. um, with no social distancing and no masks. Unbelievable, given what went on there six months ago, exactly. and what's been going on in the rest of the world. Mm. Yeah, it does seem uh, completely different from kind of anywhere in the world, really. We say that Australia is very similar. They recently did a show with Tim's U, where they had a football stadium, so it's an outside stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's football. It might be an Aussie rules or cricket, but it was a big outdoor stadium. No social distancing, very limited masks, so. Um, yeah, there are countries where crowds are allowed. Japan, they've got about 30 to 40% of venues are allowed to be filled. Okay. Um, I believe in Thailand, they've got crowds back in venues as well. Yeah, so, so it's it's coming so kind of slowly, kind of crowds are coming back to, to parts of Asia. Yeah, yeah, definitely where they've been on top of it. And I think that's mm. the thing that we've got to realise is Yes, it sucks not how crowds at sport now. Yes, it mm. sucks that we can't do things that we take for granted usually. Yeah. However, 
the countries that got on top of it nice and quickly have got these things returning. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get preachy. Whether you want to wear a mask or not, whether you want to go out or not, please just, you know, act responsibly. Yeah, and I think that's that's a kind of good place to kind of leave and, and just to say, you know, we hope everybody's keeping safe. You're all washing your hands. You're all doing your social distancing. And, yeah, because the sooner we can kind of, um, yeah, without being preachy, sooner we can kind of get back to normal. Take care.